Hello and welcome back to the Relationship Matters podcast. We believe relationship matters from humanity to nature to the larger whole. I'm your host, Katie Churchman, and to kickstart a brand new season of the Relationship Matters podcast, I'm talking with Sandra Kane, Senior Faculty at CRR Global, about some updates to the Organisational and Relationship Systems Coaching curriculum. Sandra Kane coaches individuals, pairs and teams around the world. Her background includes 15 years of experience at American Express, with a variety of leadership and personal development roles. In addition to leading the CRR Global Core Curriculum, she is also Associate Director of the Certification Programme and on faculty for the Coaches Training Institute. Her stand for this work is that since we're already in relationships, we might as well be conscious and intentional about who we are, what we do and how we live. This conversation covers a range of small and big updates to the ORS curriculum that emerged over the last few years. These include the addition of the five principles of RSI Relationship Systems Intelligence to the ORS curriculum, updates to the paper constellation setup and the scenarios used across the modules, structural changes to the Deep Democracy tool from the Intelligence module that aim to make it more accessible and user-friendly, and integrating Meet, Reveal, Align and Act into the Systems Integration module as a way of creating a coaching plan. We're living our own work, our materials and our tools, and our understanding of systems keeps emerging. And this conversation revolves around what we know now that we didn't know a few years ago, and what else might be emerging. So without further ado, I bring you Sandra Kane. Sandra, welcome back to the Relationship Matters podcast. You can see I'm beaming already. I'm delighted to have you on the show. Oh, thank you. It's fun for me to be here. I'm looking forward today to deep diving into some of the changes that have been emerging within the CRR global system. So where do we want to start with regards to some of these changes, big and small? Probably the best place to start is with the addition of the five principles and, and this comes from um, either the books that Marita has been involved in in the last few years, but they really are the, kind of the pillars for ORSC and, and they're primarily for the coach, not for your clients, you know, and that's what I think is unique. It's it, These are the kinds of things that are helpful for you to remember, for me to remember when I'm working with my clients. And they, they're also kind of grounding, I think, because it's easy to get kind of pulled into maybe the circumstances or to one person's opinion or something they said. And when I come back to the principles, I'm really holding the ORSC stance. So probably be useful to talk through each of them. Yeah. The first one is that each relationship system has its own unique identity or personality. And that's kind of a cool one. You know, if you think about sports teams or bands, they give us the most um, obvious examples. Like I think about Van Halen with David Lee Roth, and they had a certain personality and then when he left and Sammy Hagar came in, they had a very different personality. Still Van Halen, but a different personality. And, and we could certainly vote on who we think was better, <laughs> David Lee Roth. But, you know, just different. <laughs> just just different. Yeah. Or sports teams. You know, a new coach comes in to lead a team or a new quarterback or a new – any one of the players changes. It just has a different impact on who they are together. And so holding this as a coach can help us to work with the, the system as a client and help them to see themselves, would you say? Yes. Who are they together? 
you know, I just, uh, I went to my niece's wedding recently, you know, and, and there's a new family member, right? And that changes the dynamic of our family. So, you know, all these little moments of each person that shifts out or each, each system has its own, I get personality is what we say, right? Like it's a, it's got a unique set of qualities to be curious about who they are, who they are now, and to hold the wholeness of it and not get pulled into the individual's. And that's, that's where it gets really interesting. Mm, I like what you said about who they are now, because I think I can generalize a system, but a system one day is different from a system the next. And right? you're so right about family members can completely change the <laughs> dynamic. Yeah, for sure. Or, you know, one person moves even and it, yeah. it shifts the system a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's helpful to hold for us to remember to look at the whole, who's the identity of the system? You know, in a more practical sense with clients, it's easy to get pulled into maybe the leader's voice or maybe get curious about the one who's quiet, but to see them as a whole system at the same time. That's that's really the the uniqueness that Ors brings. So see them as a system at the same time in that moment in time. Right? Yeah. And we'll get pulled in. You know, of course, we're human, right? It's easy to get kind of drawn into one voice or form an opinion about an individual. But but to really look at the whole system and the uniqueness of it. And I think that's the piece of the system that's that's really cool. It's like there's no other system quite like that, you know. And how do we how do we continue to hold the view of the system with curiosity and wonder and and reveal it back to them rather than getting pull, pulled into anything else, really? So that's a key one. Um, the next one is every member of the relationship system, so that's the team or maybe a partnership, is a voice of the system. So we know about the meta skill of deep democracy. We're going to talk about the tool a little bit later in this, but the meta skill of deep democracy is holding that every person has, you know, is a voice of the system, right? And we want to hear all of them to see the system. And that doesn't mean one is right or we're going to act on one, but, but really from the principal stance, it's like inviting in all the voices so that we make sure that we hear that. And I guess uh, it isn't that every voice is equal either. It's just that every voice is a voice of that system. That's a really good point, right? Not every voice is equal. And sometimes that's bumpy. Mm. Not everybody has input on the on the same decisions, for example. But we want to really stand in that place of that everyone holds a voice for the system and, and at least give them a place to contribute if they want, because not everybody wants to. And even silence, in fact, is a voice of the system. Then we have relationship systems are naturally intelligent, generative, and creative. Now, this is a good one to remember when things get tough, right? If it gets messy, or if they're fighting, or if it feels hopeless, or you don't know what the heck to do, <laughs> which happens sometimes, right? You know, that they actually naturally will create something. You know, something's always trying to emerge. We used to say something's trying to happen. It's a little bit of this in this principle, right? That there's there's a natural intelligence, gener generativeness, like creativity. And that's helpful, especially when things are really, really conflictual or disruptive or unskillful, which is all my nice horse words for when it's messy and hard, <laughs> you know? Which is when this is probably the hardest principle of all to lean into, because sometimes systems don't feel creative, intelligent, and generative. Yeah. And sometimes the coach, it can get in our head, like they aren't. So even when it's really difficult to, to stand firmly in that place and hold that, don't underestimate the power of someone really holding this with the team. You know, even when they're in their mess, whatever it is, if we can really hold this principle with them, that changes something 
that changes the emotional field somehow in these ways we can't define or see, but it's, it's, it actually does. If somebody can be with them in their disruptions and not freak out and not try to fix it, just kind of hold the energy or help them facilitate a conversation more skillfully. Absolutely. This isn't a passive thing, but that's more of a skill set than a principle, right? The principle is to really trust and believe that. Yeah, this is a real coach approach. I didn't think about how this principle is, it really helps us to not fix yeah, and to tell them what to do. Right, right. That's probably the biggest crutch, right? Is a lot of us come from a background of being rewarded for being problem solvers, you know, probably many years in a career of being a problem solver in some way or another. So to really let go of that, or maybe add to the toolkit, you know, to really trust the system is a very different thing. It takes practice. The fourth principle I want to introduce is the systems rely on roles for their organization and execution of functions. This is what's interesting, you know, roles, we talk about this in the geography course, right? That roles belong to the system, not to the individual's. And it's sometimes hard to separate that because mm. we tend to think that the leader is always a leader. Well, sometimes they might take on a different role, you know, and to be clear about that. But it's, you know, and in, in, in our model, we actually say that leadership is a role across the system. So someone who works in the mailroom might take on the role of leader, you know, in a moment or in an exercise or or might demonstrate that. But to, to hold the, the idea that roles are somewhat fluid, actually, is how I think about it that they belong to the system, system knows what to do there, but there's a fluidity to that that I think is really interesting. Yeah, I can see how that can really help us to hold that systemic lens. Yeah, sometimes talking about putting people in a box, you know, back in the whatever, 90s, I think that was a big thing. Don't put people in a box or the early 2000s. It's a little bit like that, you know, that roles are inherently changing within a system and to allow for that and and be transparent about that. So, um, you know, someone might speak a really courageous voice on a team and it might create a ripple effect in the emotional field where people are just like, <gasps> right. And for us to see that as they're speaking a role, there's, they're just a voice for the system. And actually to, in some cases, train our clients to see that. It's quite refreshing, isn't it? To realize that you don't have to hold that role all the time. Right. Yes. Because that kind of role fatigue can show up or role nausea or everyone thinks I'm this and I'm not that, you know, I'm not just that. So yeah, all of those, all those things contribute to this one. So to really remember that, that they actually rely on the roles for, for their organization, for getting things done and that it's just roles. You know, if I, I might be the disturber in one system and the caretaker in another one, you know, it, it, it's almost not my choice in some ways, <laughs> you know, of course it is, you know, if I'm aware of it, I can have some consciousness, but we do get kind of dreamed into this as well. Just, I think very fascinating. This really helps us to sort of allow for our clients to grow as well in the way that we want to grow as coaches constantly. We don't want anyone to put us in a box. Right. This allows for that too, because we get it seems like these principles help us to be more present. That's what I'm getting as we go through these together, Sandra, that it allows us to be with who shows up in that moment. Yes. And not hold them to any specific role. Because mm. the, the the way systems work is it is the roles speak up as required, right? Now, they're not always skillful. <laughs> they're not always eloquent, but they do speak up. And so we don't, we want to be aware that we're not pigeonholing anybody or saying that person's always this or never that, you know, that they really are speaking for a role or they're not speaking and they're still in a role. And there's a lot to be said, you know, like I said, the, the geography course goes into more kind of tactical ways to work with roles, but this is a, a principle we want our coaches to really stand in that 
that systems are relying on roles. You know, whether we whether we want them to or not is irrelevant. That's just what they do. That's true of all of these, right? It's like, this is what systems do. And it does help us to then step back and take that balcony view as opposed to getting drawn in then to oh, finding her really difficult in this team. Right. They'd be so much better off if she wasn't here or if he wasn't here. Right. And, <laughs> and that's very human. I mean, I've had that with my clients. Really that person just, mm. I'm like, oh, it's a role. And it's usually the one that's difficult. Yes. You know, it's usually the one that's difficult. In fact, one way I worked with this just reminded me of pretty intense conflict. There was a woman who was a real, um, like a roadblock. She was the one who said no to everything. And she wasn't skillful, to be honest. She was harsh. And everyone was kind of like, oh, here she goes again. You know, that that's happened. I'm sure lots of coaches have run into that. <laughs> a moment of great inspiration. I didn't plan this, but it just kind of came through me. I actually asked everyone to, I asked her to just step aside and ask everyone to come over and stand in her position and speak. And actually, no, I didn't ask them to speak. I said, just feel into what's it like to be the one that feels like you have the answer, you have the clear solution, and nobody listens to you. Just feel into that. And a year later, someone contacted me and said, I'm still impacted by that. Wow. Like, what's it like to be the one who always feels, you know, because there was a definite, definite us against her thing happening. And I can't tell you where it came from. <laughs> it wasn't my plan because, you know, I didn't plan for that at all. But I just thought they, there needs to be a way for people to get out of their own self and into that social intelligence place. And it really stayed with me because uh, it, it was an example of this, of just having people try on the role and, and see that it is just a role because they were making it very personal. It does become so, doesn't it, so often? And uh, I guess if we hold this, we can help our clients to see themselves as a system too. Right. And to share the yeah. roles more differently, perhaps. Well, even, yeah, and more skillfully, maybe. Yes. You know, even to just bring it up and say, hey, you know, I notice you hold this role a lot. I mean, think about it, in your, whoever you live with, you know, we fall into roles in our personal relationships too. And that's sometimes where conflict happens. It's like, oh, they always want to do it that way. Or why can't we ever do it my way? And it's, you know, all that very normal human things that happen. Start to see it through the lens of roles and it, it'll change something. That's a cool one. Uh, and then probably if I had to pick a favorite principle, it's probably this last one, you know, uh, systems are in a constant state of emergence. I just love the language of this because it's so true. There's always something trying to happen. It may be something very small and it may be something very big, but like, what is trying to reveal itself here? What is trying to emerge or, or what's being generated through this system? It's a big one, you know, and, and can we take our view from the me and you and him and her and them to that larger looking at the whole level, W-H-O-L-E, right? What's trying to emerge from that place? It may just be better communication. It may be conflict is trying to emerge. It may be new ideas. Uh, it could be all kinds of things. But yeah, that soft gaze at the larger whole. What's happening between people? What's trying to emerge there? And that's really what's inspiring this conversation and the emerging updates and changes. Because we are also a system that's in... A constant state of emergence. Yes. And uh, how can we dance with that and be more conscious and intentional about how we show up then with those changes? Right. And, you know, it's it's an interesting thing to try to put curriculum down on paper hmm. <laughs> about this because it's, you know, we're living our own work in this. You know, our our materials and our tools and our understanding of systems keeps emerging. 
you know, and so it, that's why we have podcasts like this to help people understand what's new and what do we know now that we didn't know a few years ago or, you know, so, you know, some simple things like we've made some changes to the paper constellation where we used to have two different symbols for different genders. We don't need to do that. You know, in today's society, we can have a gender neutral symbol. We could just have one symbol and that's what we've done. We've just made everything uh, one symbol. Now for some clients, it makes sense to have more than one symbol and you can absolutely do that. But there's, we can start from a neutral place and have the clients reveal themselves to us. So that's one change we've made that I think is is a no brainer. You know, the other thing along that same lines is in our materials in training, we've made all of our uh, scenarios, gender neutral names, or in some cases we say, you know, pick a name. Whereas before we, we ascribed certain names that assumed certain genders. And it's just a simple way that we can, you know, have people create their own experience without us telling them who they are, who they need to be in a scenario. It's a simple thing. And I think it's, it's a meaningful one as well. Now that won't affect people in their client work necessarily, because most people aren't working scenarios, but I wanted to mention that in the kind of the realm of what are, how we're looking at our curriculum and how we can, how we can meet more people where they are. Yeah. Because there are these themes emerging in the wider systems and this is CRR Global's way of co-creating, dancing with those, yes. as opposed to resisting and staying as we are. This is a way of being conscious and intentional about whatever shows up and evolving as a system too. Yeah, exactly. Like we're walking our own talk in that. And the complexity of it comes with, we still have to write things down and give people materials. you know. So, and, and yet the work will continue to emerge and evolve. And so that's why we're, we'll do this every so often as we need to and, and get information out. We did send him, um, an email out to our alumni in 2020 when we made some big changes. But we also wanted, I know you and I wanted to talk about one of the more specific changes recently, which was to the Deep Democracy tool. So let's spend a little time on that. Yeah, so... I wonder, Sandra, for those people who might not be familiar with the Deep Democracy tool, could you give us a sort of a quick overview about how that looks and then we can move into what's new now? Yeah. The concept of Deep Democracy comes from uh, the Mendel's work, which is really that there, there's, there's so many different possible voices around any topic, right? And the, the Deep Democracy, deep meaning that there's many, there's a depth of voices and inputs and, and opinions even, on any topic. And this is an adaptation of the work that the Mendels have done, of course, with their permission, uh, with Faith and Marita. But what we're really looking for is how do we get multiple voices on a topic? How do we create awareness of multiple voices? Because what usually happens, and I think mostly with organizational examples here, you know, people kind of know the primary voices. Let's say they're, they're talking about something like a merger or an acquisition, you know, a big thing like that. Well, you can assume that there's some people that think it's a great idea and some people think it's not. And some people think it's going to be too expensive or not worth it. You know, we could, we could just brainstorm some of the common reactions to something like that. But this is about getting at not just those, because those, those are the primary voices maybe, and those matter, but there's a whole bunch of other secondary voices. So voices that haven't been raised yet, maybe don't feel safe enough. Maybe people aren't even aware of yet. You know, I could imagine there'd be a million voices around murder if we really opened it up. Lots of different inputs around that. Um, so what we're trying to do here is is a couple of things. Get people out of their primary kind of groove of thinking, which sometimes is a reaction. Not always, but sometimes it's reactionary. We want to shake that up a little bit and have people try on some other voices. And, you know, we can sit around and table and say, 
well, yeah, I can see how that's true. Or, yeah, that makes sense to me. You know, we can kind of do that in our mind, but it's very different to actually stand in a place that represents that voice and advocate for it. And that's really what's different here. And that's what's different about the the new version as well. We actually have people advocate for a view that isn't their primary view for the whole purpose of just getting new information, new insight. Doesn't mean you have to believe it or or hold that to be a truth. Um, but that's really, so deep democracy is getting out of our kind of everyday groove of how we think of things and trying on different voices and really speaking for them. So why a new version? What were you noticing that perhaps wasn't working with the the way it was done before? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, one of the things we do in certification is we, we when we get to this topic in certification, we, we pull the group, we say, hey, who uses this tool? And we were seeing nobody was using this tool. <laughs> I mean, okay. over years, Katie, like nobody waved their hand. Nobody said, yeah, I'll use it. Or maybe, maybe a handful of people. And it was always a delight. Like, great, tell us about it. What are the circumstances, you know? But it was really pretty obvious, you know, just about, I mean, every other tool people use. And this one, they were like, yeah, I thought it was interesting, but I couldn't really see the application. So the the version of it that we originally created from Arnie and Amy's work was kind of chaotic. And some people really loved it in the process. They loved doing it, but then they would say, well, I'll never use it. <laughs> it was fun to be in, but I don't know how to do that. Right. So we had a lot of voices around the tool, frankly, <laughs> a lot of different um, points of view, but that, that was one of the biggest things. And it was hard to teach because it was so, there was so much going on. So we just basically needed to simplify it and just make it more accessible. And it still delivers. That's what's great. I actually think it's better. Okay. I think it delivers better because in the last, 18 months or so now in certification, most people raise their hand. And those of us who are faculty for that course, we're always like, yes. <laughs> you know. So we actually have some data to say, okay, this is the changes we made are, are making it more accessible and people are bringing it to their clients. That was really one of the biggest things. Now, you know, we kind of nerded out about it. Those who were really into the systemic stuff loved doing this and were fascinated by it. But again, it was just it ended up being too complex a tool okay. that people wouldn't, were not using. So what are some of the, the ways you simplified it? The main thing we did is, is we put a little bit more structure to it because it was a pretty open, you know, how we used to do it. Gosh, it feels like a while now for me, I have to remember. It was a little bit more open of a process where people would move around from voice to voice and try things. And just mostly what would happen is you would have a, a room full of people who would just be speaking different voices, but nobody would talk to each other. And there's some value in that, to be fair, you know, just trying on a voice and speaking it. And in this process, we speak from I, whatever voice we're in, right? And that alone is cool. You know, I'm speaking the voice of a parent who has seven kids and, you know, that's not my world. So to speak I from that place still gives me some new insight. So there's value in that. So if people are enjoying the old way, go for it. It just, for most people, it was too complex. So, you know, the idea that you can try on a voice in a little bit more of a structured way. And then, you know, what we say is try on the one that feels most true for you now. Mm. And that's honoring primary. You know, in the old way, we kind of just said, let's hear from somebody, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and we want to honor primary because that's good change there. So start with what's familiar. And then we have to try on one that's not familiar, you know, maybe less familiar or Maybe one that's um, the most different or one they're curious about or, you know, and we really rotate about three times in this 
but it's it's a little more prescribed. It's not as chaotic, but it still delivers, in fact, delivers more. We have some blank spaces in this one that we we might say, um, you know, if somebody's speaking to, let's say, you know, the example I used of a child and we don't have the voice of a child in the room, somebody go stand in the blank one and respond back as the child. Mm. And the blank spaces are interchangeable. So they can be used for any voices that show up that someone might want to try and speak. But, but the, the bottom line of it is it's a little bit more prescribed. It's less chaotic. There's more of a clear off-ramp about how we take people out of the process. I, and the thing I said earlier that I want to pull through here is really advocating. So it's not just, I feel like this in this voice, or this is what's true for me. But to have that dialogue, you know, imagine that I'm stepping in or you're stepping in a voice that doesn't feel true for you. Mm-hmm. And you're standing there and you're speaking it. And then I'm speaking to you from a different voice. And you have to kind of advocate for a voice that doesn't feel true for you. I mean, that is huge to do. Mm. You're not committing to that voice. You know, that's part of the setup is we want people to be clear. We're just, you're just trying things on to get new insight, new information. But to stand in a position that doesn't feel true and advocate back to somebody else, yeah, that changes you. And that's, that's what's interesting. And then at the end, it's still like, so what's new about your team first? You know, or what's new for you? And then what's new about the team? So we do a kind of a personal debrief and then we talk about the team application. So do you have a suggestion for how many voices? Is there a sense around sort of the limit for how many we collect in the structure? Yeah, I do. The, the way we have the, the tool written is what's the one that's most true for them? Okay. Again, like I said, honor primary. So that's one voice. Then choose the one that's most different from the one that you believe to be true. Okay. Then one that you're curious about. So that's three. And, and again, even if it's just a brief little interaction back and forth, having them kind of advocate for some other position is a really powerful experience. Here's what it feels like for me. And here's why it's important here, right? So the way it's written is we have uh, three different rounds, so to speak. You could certainly add one or two more, but I would just always be aware of the fatigue that can happen with any tool because this takes time and it depends on you know how vocal the group is and how many people there are. I, I wouldn't want to add more than that. Okay. I really wouldn't. I would, I would be more likely to keep them in one that's true for them, one that's more different, one they're curious about, and, and close it after that. And before the process itself, is there a gathering of the, the different voices or are they all just standing in their own voice up front? Yeah. That's great. You know, part of part of that happens in the the work that the coach does ahead of time. Okay. You know, whether you do an interview or you do any kind of summary tool like survey or anything that, you know, you know what the primary voices are from the work you've done with the team, right? And if you don't know that, then don't use this tool. Okay. Because it's not the kind of thing I want people making up in the moment. It's there's too much there's too much going on around it. I mean, unless you're really if you have an overnight, you know, if you're working with the one day and then you're working with the next day, sure. But I, I would say, don't wing it. Don't try to make this up in the moment. I know a lot of us, you know, if we have a whole day with the team at the lunch break, we usually redesign the afternoon anyway. It's like, oh my gosh, this all happened. So I want to think about this differently. That's fine. But I, I wouldn't want you to wing it in the moment because you do need to know what are the primary voices. And however you got that information, like I said, a survey, interviews, maybe you just picked up on it in the work that you've already been doing with them, maybe in another tool. But it's just a way of kind of grabbing what's there, putting some structure around it, slowing that down just a little bit to say, well, you know, I can tell some of you feel this way and some of you feel that way. And then there's also this voice keeps coming in. Let's actually use that material 
And I want to take you into an exercise that's going to have you really try on some of those different positions around this or those different voices and see what it's like to really speak for them. That's that's not something people do every day. You know, you might sit around the a conference table and say, well, we know the voice of our client is this. Well, there's no one voice of any client. <laughs> you know, That's a simple example. But even if they took on, you know, what are the three primary things that they hear from their clients and actually really try it on and advocate for that and say why that's true, because it'd be easy to dismiss that. The things you don't want to hear from your clients, for example. Oh, they don't get it or they don't understand us. You know, that's not who we are Mm. versus standing there and saying, yeah, that's who we are. Do you have a a limit for how many uh, voices you would pre-design ahead of doing this tool? It's a good question. Um, I would probably limit it at four. Okay. And have two blank spaces. Right. And the primary reason for that is fatigue. Right. With any process, you know, if you keep people in a process too long, they're, they sometimes people go to realm, they kind of go, I don't get that. I don't know what I want, you know, or they just get tired and it gets, yeah, it just gets in the way. So that's my vibe. I don't, I think I can represent CRR Global with that statement pretty fairly. Cause even in the old, old way we used to do this, we had just way too many voices. It's unwieldy. You can't manage it and it, it, it just loses its power. So at some point you say, okay, so you know, what's, what's the new information here? What are you learning from this voice? And, you know, we have an off kind of an off ramp out of the process, but the main thing that's changed is, you know, getting a sense for what are the voices that, you know, exist on this team and starting with those rather than inviting in, you know, 20 (laughs) voices that just create more chaos and are particularly relevant. That's such a good point. I, I think I remember it being quite chaotic and in some ways the process allowed for the louder, more theatrical voices to dominate, like myself. I kind of loved the exercise. Uh, was a yeah. nightmare probably for our leader. Um, and I wonder now about some of those quieter voices in themselves, like if they got a chance to try on some other more edgy voices. Right, exactly. Well, and, and the old way was more in line with what the Mendels are doing with it, right? And they, they have a different angle on it. Okay. Um, you know, we're, we're really creating a tool that we want our coaches to take to their clients to get new information about the topic and then create action from that. You know, if we create action from the same opinions and voices that we know already, you know, that's, that's kind of flat, Mm. you know, it doesn't give us the full view of the system or the team or the organization, whatever context it is. But if we just keep creating from the same data, we, we don't, we're not really meeting the, the issue and we don't have a full picture of it either. You know, this gives us a little bit more of a full view of what's really, what's it really like out there around this topic. And so is this in some ways a third entity exercise because everyone's trying on that position too in lots of different ways or three ways? Well, it's a great question. Third entity really is just two positions. Mm. It's mine and it's yours or it's us and them, right? This one expands that out. Third entity is also me and you, and then the thing between us, yeah. right? The voice of the, our relationship or the third entity or the system voice. It's more, it's prescribed that way. I'm making that little triangle with my <laughs> hands, right? This one is not me, you, us. It's me, you, 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 you. <laughs> many, many yous, which makes <laughs> many, it very, very complicated. Yous. Yeah. Yeah. A bunch of yous and the, and some yous that I don't even know yet. Mm. Right. So there's a, something organic sometimes happens in this one. And that's why we have those blank spaces 
to allow for new voices that come in. And then, and then it's all of us looking together and saying, you know, what are we, what are we learning from this and what possible actions can we take from that new information? So different angle on it. Um, we're also not directly asking for the voice of the system. Right. We're not saying what is the team voice in this exercise? Now, unless they somehow decide to speak for that, which would be kind of cool. Um, most clients probably wouldn't. They tend to think more in the individual or the client or the leader or the, you know, they tend to think more roles in this exercise. And that's fine too as long as we're clear about who they're speaking for. So in a way, it's a it's an exercise in social intelligence, trying on the other's position. Yes. And through that social intelligence awareness raising, they start to be more aware of themselves as a system. And that's where they have in common, actually, because third entity also gives you social intelligence, right? Because you mm. you speak for the second position and it gives you the the RSI voice of the the voice of the team or the partnership, right? So in that way, it's third entity is great because it's it's a much more clear example of the three intelligences. Uh, deep democracy tool is it's it's honoring all of those, but it's it's in a different way. It's less prescribed that way. But but there's some common like in the Venn diagram of those two, they would have some overlap and they have some differences. So this is one of the ways we're emerging as a system. Ciara Global. Yes. Are there any others on the horizon, Sandra, that you're excited about or maybe you can't share yet? <laughs> That's great. Uh, there's a couple others that I want to just name that have that are already happening, um, just for people that maybe missed the email that came out. And one is that we've we've integrated the concept of meet, reveal, align, and act into the systems integration course. And we call it MRAA sometimes, maybe real line and act. But it's it's really a great framework for creating a coaching plan and understand where you are in the map of the work that you're doing with the client. You know, and meet is usually the first thing. So it's like meeting is things like DTA. You're meeting with your client. You're you're you know um, meeting them where they are, basically, right? Uh, reveal and so many of our tools are about revealing. It's revealing the system to itself. So the deep democracy tool is a great reveal tool. Uh, constellations, very visual, right? Very much a reveal tool, just as examples. And align and act is what do we do with that revealed information? How do we align around that? And what's next? You know, what are the next steps? So it's, it's a helpful kind of framework for us. The way it's helpful for me is when I'm writing the coaching plan. Hmm. You know, to be, to be clear about, you know, I don't want to start with, I don't want to start with deep democracy tool. I want to do a DTA first. You know, I want to meet them where they are. I want to create relationship. I want to be, you know, with them. And then I want to take them into reveal. And then I, as I'm closing out, I want to get towards, okay, how do we work on alignment and then action from here? So it's a nice way to kind of hold the arc of coaching. Again, those are introduced in the systems integration course and different tools kind of live in different phases there and some you know and we all have our biases right yeah. you know some of us really love the meat phase and we might spend too much time there and we're saying m-e-e-t just to be clear <laughs> <laughs> some people love meat too um but you know and reveal some of us love like reveal the system to itself all these cool things and then we run out of time right i mean i've had that happen crap you know mm. i got so pulled into that reveal phase that i didn't remember or i prioritized it over a line and act. And suddenly I've got 30 minutes at the end to get them to some kind of action. And that's, you know, you, there's ways to do it, but it's stressful. Yeah. So this is mostly for us as coaches. It's not something I would train my clients in, but 
kind of know where you are on the map of coaching. I always think of that you are here thing that they have on maps all the time. You know, know where you are in the phase of this work with your clients so that you don't get have to scramble at the end. Yeah. So that's something you're not revealing something and then suddenly there's no time to act on that. Right. Right. And it's, you know, it can reveal a lot about you as coach too. Mm. <laughs> where do your preferences lie? And you know, be mindful of that. Maybe partner with somebody who has other preferences or other biases around it. And, you know, or just be aware of your own and and manage your, you know, your this is your time, but also your map of your work with them in a way that's going to be useful. So are there any other updates right now, Sandra, that you feel a top of mind? Those are the biggest ones that come to mind. You know, I I guess I just want to leave this with, I want to encourage people to continue to look at the model through the lens of what's needed, what's trying to happen. We've been saying what's trying to happen for years. We just put it in language of, of the emer- principle of emergence now. But, you know, the other thing is I would want people to walk away from this feeling like, okay, if I get kind of rocky with my clients or I get nervous or I'm not sure, you know, to come back to the principles to ground you because they really are to, there to ground us. They're, they're a stable place for us to come back to. So if you feel like, I don't know what's happening or this is getting weird or this conflict is really rough, you know, come back and look at these. Oh yeah. Okay. Naturally generative and creative. Okay, good. That's all it is. (laughs) You know, it's a little bit like a hand on your back that says it's okay. You know, Oh no, what's going on? Oh, constant state of emergence. This is normal. Of course it's emerging. Of course it's going to continue to what's trying to, you know, get revealed to you, you know, take our gaze up to the bigger view rather than we can get pulled into the details of, oh my gosh, I can't believe she said that or he thought all of that normal stuff will happen. And it takes practice and um, muscle to build your capacity to see the, just to kind of run that through the Orse translator to go, okay, I'm freaking out. This is happening. But in the Orse translator, it's actually quite normal. And that's really what I would want for people. You know, the, the principles are, you know, we talked about deep democracy as well, but that that's just one tool and tool of many but the principles really are there to support all of us as coaches. What I love about this conversation is it seems that all these changes have emerged from standing in the principles, would you say? That's interesting. I think it's a blend, you know, like I said, we were pretty clear that people weren't using deep democracy and that was before we had the principles. (laughs) So we're like, there's something else going on here that maybe we missed. But if I look at it in hindsight, I could probably see something there. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, our work will continue to emerge and evolve. It just will, you know, even as I speak all of this now, it's probably already in some ways out of date because the emergences continue to happen and, you know, something will reveal itself to us that that at some point we'll come back and say, oh, actually, we need to integrate that now too. That's another new piece. We're even thinking about, you know, from the lens of curriculum, you know, how do we, what are the right materials to provide people given this, you know, how much do we want to have, you know, documented and hand out like our manuals, you know, our manuals were created a while ago and have not been updated. Uh, And there, there's a lot of information there. So how do we, how do we have our curriculum in a way that allows for the emergence and how do we get that out to people who want it? You know, and so this podcast is one way to do that, but it's, it's a place to continue to look, you know, what, how do we do that in a way that, that is simple and makes sense and is accessible for people. That's part of what's emerging at CRR around curriculum. It's a dance, isn't it? This principle keeps us on our toes. That's for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I've loved the dance today, Sandra. Yes. More to come. Thank you. Take care. 
Thanks to Sandra Kane for highlighting some of the updates to the AUS curriculum that have emerged over the past few years. Here are my key takeaways from this conversation. The five principles of RSI are the pillars of this work and are primarily for the coach and not the client. They're useful for us to remember as coaches as they can be very grounding and stop us from being pulled towards one opinion or person. When we come back to the principles, we are holding the ORSC stance. Simple updates to scenarios, like using gender-neutral names or letting people pick their own names, has created more space for participants to create their own experience with the materials. This is with the intention of really meeting people where they are. In the updated version of the Deep Democracy tool, people advocate for a view that isn't their primary view, for the purpose of getting new information or insight. It doesn't mean we have to believe or agree with it. It's about getting out of our everyday groove, trying on different voices and really speaking from them. When using the Deep Democracy tool, it's important to know the primary voices in advance, so it's not something we suggest you make up in the moment. These primary voices may come out of surveys or your experience working with the team. It's suggested you have four voices and two blank spaces. These blank spaces represent other voices that might show up during the process and are interchangeable. In addition, the updated Deep Democracy tool has more structure. In this update, three rounds are suggested. So we would start with a first round honoring the primary, pick a voice that feels most familiar and speak from there. Then for round two, we would ask people to try on a voice that isn't so familiar, or maybe one that's the most different, and ask them to really advocate for that voice. And then for a third round, we may ask them to pick a voice that you're curious about. After this, there would be a clear off-ramp process where we would ask what's new for you and what's new for the team, so that there is both a personal and a team application. Meet, reveal, align and act is a great framework for creating a coaching plan and understand where you are in the work with the client. Meet is meeting the client where they are. Reveal shows up in a lot of the tools. It helps the system to see itself. And then align and act is where we turn this information into action. Thank you for listening to the Relationship Matters podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues and friends so that we can continue to spread these ideas across the globe. And if you haven't already, do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to make sure you never miss an episode. And for more information on the ORSC courses, please visit crrglobal.com. For over 20 years, CRR Global has accompanied leaders, teams and practitioners on their journey to stronger relationships by focusing on the relationship itself, not only the individuals occupying it. This leads to a community of change makers around the world. Supported by a global network of faculty and partners, we connect, inspire and equip change agents to shift systems one relationship at a time. We believe relationship matters, from humanity to nature to the larger whole.